it's Graham, do you want to come up? It's just a real, a real privilege, and we're really excited. So I said, oh, can I do that bit? Um, so this is the very wonderful and reverend Graham Cotter, who uh, has, is a friend, friend of the church. Um, he's been a church, uh, priest for 34 years in this diocese, in one church, which is just outside Tavistock. And I always get the name wrong, and I want to say Buckland Monochorum. Okay, um, so I was going to say just near Tavistock and chicken out, but I thought I'd try and say it. Um, so we're really, really blessed to have him. Uh, he's come to speak to us this morning. Um, he has retired from that role, and now he's a chaplain, uh, voluntary chaplain at St. Melitus College Southwest. So for Deborah and for Dan, where they trained down in Plymouth, Graham goes on a Tuesday and is just there to, to pray for, to minister to, to encourage uh, all of those training for, for priesthood. So he is a wonderful friend of the church, so uh, I'm going to pray for him and maybe you can join me and then he's going to speak to us, so thanks. So Father God, thank you so much for this brilliant man of God. Thank you for the journey that you've had him on, all that you've taught him, all the ways in which he models to us what it is to be a disciple of our Lord Jesus. And I really pray... Holy Spirit, that you would come now and you would fill him afresh. And as he delivers your word to your church, uh, Lord, that you would bless him in that and you would help us to hear and understand more deeply too. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. So I'm reading from Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. And it's on page 980 in the Blue Bibles. The parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you. It's really lovely to be with you this morning. We'll pray as we start. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the word of God. We know it's powerful. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, the supreme teacher. And pray for your help as we look at this parable this morning. And please graciously speak into each one of our lives, we, we pray, for your name's sake. Amen. Now this is a very, very simple parable. And Jesus is introducing the kingdom of heaven. Now we know, don't we, that earthly kingdoms, they rise and they fall. And we see in the Bible the Assyrian Empire, followed by the Babylonian then the Greek, then the Roman Empire. They all came and they all went. And we're citizens in this life of the United Kingdom. But that citizenship, it ends when we die. Now Jesus has come to introduce a superior kingdom. A kingdom that will outlast death. An eternal kingdom. And he offers each one of us the passport into that kingdom. It's a passport which never needs renewal. We don't need to pay for it because the expense has been paid by the Son of God. And he gives that passport, he offers that passport to each one 
who will come to him. Now Eric Liddell, I don't know whether you know his name, Eric Liddell, a Scotsman, he won the Paris 400 meter 1924 Olympics. I do recommend a wonderful book about his life. Duncan Hamilton, who's a brilliant author, has written about Eric Liddell. And when he won that race, he was accelerating, 1924, he was accelerating right through that 400 meters until he breasted the tape and broke the world record. And although the film Chariots of Fire gets it all wrong, he didn't stay in the stadium to kind of milk all the applause. This was extraordinary. He hurried out of that, that stadium as quickly as he possibly could. He was preparing a message for the end of the Olympic Games. He wanted to be ready for that. And he just has this wonderful quote about the kingdom. The kingdom is where the king reigns. If the king is reigning in your heart, then the kingdom of heaven has come to you. And we know that when we accept Jesus into our lives, self is displaced and the king, the Lord Jesus, comes onto the throne of our hearts. He's come in to rule and to reign over the whole of our lives. And we know that we enter the kingdom now, right now when we accept Christ, but that kingdom will be fully realized when Jesus returns and there is the new heaven and the new earth, his fully realized kingdom. But having accepted Christ, we enter that kingdom right now. Now we're going to look at the seed, the mustard seed. Who is the seed, first of all? We'll look at this under three headings. Who is the seed, the sacrificial seed, and the spreading seed? And first of all, who is the seed? Now if we go back into Genesis 22, verse 18, God promises to Abraham, he makes this incredible promise that through your seed, every nation in the world will be blessed. And Paul, in Galatians 3, verse 16, although we might have thought, well, that seed, it must be Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Paul explains that the seed is the Lord Jesus, the promised Christ. He is the seed. The tiniest of seeds, the mustard seed. And Jesus came, didn't he, in great insignificance, born in a manger, having to escape for his life down into Egypt. Returning to Nazareth, who is this man? This is the carpenter's son, wanting to throw him over the cliff to destroy his life. And then, of course, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, and seemingly insignificant, but the one who holds such great significance. This tiny seed, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then secondly, he's the sacrificial seed. He's come to be buried effectively, to lay down his life in death and to die on the cross. Now, Christian and I, years ago, we were visiting up in Scotland the Argyll and Sutherland headquarters 
in Stirling Castle. And they had a kind of reenactment of the First World War, the trenches, and what life was like during the First World War. The, the costume, the battle costume, the battle dress. And as we went along, we came across this extraordinary, extraordinary experience, effectively, of Private McCallum. Now, Private McCallum, in front of us, was his New Testament. Now, every soldier in the First World War, Bishop Taylor Smith, who was an amazing First World War chaplain of chaplains, and he made sure that every soldier had a New Testament and also a copy, a body of prayers that they could use in the trenches. And there was Private McCallum's New Testament open at the page, and the bullet that should have taken his life had penetrated the pages of the New Testament, and it had come to rest in John 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Private McCallum's life had been spared at the expense of the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. And that is the gospel, isn't it? The sacrificial seed, the Lord Jesus. It's called the great exchange, what took place at the cross. That Jesus, when he died, he bore our guilt to offer forgiveness. He was cursed, effectively, that he might offer us the Father's blessing. He endured hell on our behalf in order to, to make available to each one of us the gift of heaven and eternal life. And this wonderful sacrifice, taking on his shoulders the guilt of our sin in order that we might receive his wonderful forgiveness. Is everything all right? Are you all right? So the sacrificial seed, the one who laid down his life that we might live. And then finally, the spreading seed. Now this is the tiniest of seeds, but it grows into the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree with room for the birds to perch in its branches. It's a metaphor of the gospel, the cross becoming a tree. Now, where we lived in Buckler Monocorum, just across the road from our house, from the vicarage, it was the corner of a farmer's field, was a sequoia tree. It's a lovely tree. And just after we arrived in 1984, a couple arrived at our door, Arthur and Pamela Roberts, and they wanted to explain the meaning of this tree. It was very moving. They came in and sat down and talked with us. This was the stepfather and mother of the man in whose memory the tree had been planted. He was called Flight Lieutenant Paul Christian Gay. And they told us about his life, that he had been tragically killed in a flying accident just after the end of the Falklands War. And they explained that they'd gone to the farmer, they'd asked if they could plant this tree, and it was there in his memory, and it had grown up over the years. And of course, many drove past that tree without knowing its meaning and waiting to hear 
its significance. And I would sometimes stand under this tree and reflect on this young man's life and his death. Now the cross of Christ, wonderfully, has become a giant sequoia with branches spreading out right across the world. And of course in Jeremiah, Jesus himself is called the branch. And there's room inside this tree for all who will come to the Son of God. The space there. God has determined that his house will be full on that great day when Jesus returns and there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. That incredible banquet where the church of Jesus Christ is married to her heavenly bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. And of course, on that great day, that banqueting hall, a number that no man can number, a multitude of souls drawn into the kingdom of God through the death of Jesus Christ. And this is the giant sequoia. And right across the ages, through the generations, Millions of people have found sanctuary within that tree. And this tree is so special, isn't it? Because as we come underneath the branch, underneath the Lord Jesus, that's a humble step, isn't it? This is a lowly branch. You can't imagine anyone lowlier than the Lord Jesus. Therefore, to come, come into that sequoia, we have to humble, humble our lives. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. My life isn't all that you want it to be. And humbling ourselves, coming underneath the branch, into the tree. It's a beautiful picture where we're sheltered there from the wrath of God. We find safety there in the love of God, in the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. Thinking about this message this morning, and just wanting to apply it in two two very simple ways. Do please keep rehearsing what Jesus has done for you. Never tire of hearing of his wonderful plan of salvation on your behalf. That even before the foundation of the world, he had chosen you to come into that wonderful tree, that life-giving tree, the cross of Christ becoming the sequoia. And right from eternity, God knew you and planned for you to come right into his salvation. The death of the Lord Jesus on your behalf, this great exchange. Never tire of rehearsing that. Never grow cold in your heart in terms of what God has done for you in his wonderful son. And then secondly, and finally, thinking of Carl and Sarah, Deborah, Dan, and the whole community of Whitson, we want the many, don't we, to fly into this tree, to fly into the grace of God, to recognize that this is what they desperately need before they leave this life, that this is critical for men, women, and children to find Christ in this life before they die. And so that they can die in the peace and in the faith of Jesus Christ.
We're going to, to stand together, if that's all right, and pray together. This is, Jesus is the seed. Who is the seed? Jesus is the seed. He is the sacrificial seed. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. This is the spreading tree. The tree that spread right across the world, the giant sequoia. And we'll pray together. Holy Spirit of God, we do welcome you into our time together. And Holy Spirit of God, we do ask you to draw near to each one here as we wait before you and call upon you in Jesus' name. Just wait before the Lord. Do ask him to speak to you. To speak from, from this beautiful parable. Different aspects of the parable. As we wait before the Lord, have you received the passport? Have you taken hold of this beautiful entranceway into the kingdom of God? Have you seen that Jesus paid the price of your entry? Have you received the passport? Taken hold of that? Then as we think about this parable further, have you grown weary of rehearsing what Jesus has done for you? Have you sensed that your heart has grown cold, that you've become indifferent and more careless towards all that Jesus has done on your behalf? Is there a sense that God wants to color in these wonderful truths that he's brought about on your behalf? And are there those around you who you're praying for to come fly into the tree to find shelter there and praying for them to discover Christ to invite them into the church here so Holy Spirit of God please do minister truths to each heart we pray. Mm -hmm. 